Hello and welcome to Forget the Numbers, the ACCA student podcast. I'm Connor and I'm here with Alan. Hello. Having completed our ACCA webinar week during the week, we're going over the key lessons from tutors and what you can do to overcome the common issues faced by students. We also look at recent news stories, including the devastating effect of the coronavirus and the digital law proposed to clamp down on anti-competitive behavior by tech giants before getting to this week's student questions. So, Alan, starting off, we've both done quite a number of webinars, talked to a lot of different students, dealt with a lot of different tutors. And one of the most striking things I found, because everyone's very keen, obviously, to have specific webinars for their subjects and to talk in the context of their subject, but is actually how clear the it's the same message that rings true in each of them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's something, and even the, the questions that students ask, even though they're, they're really looking for, you know, they think it's, it's advice very specific to that subject, but they're still asking around common things like time management, planning, reading requirements. Um, did I know you did a number yourself. Did you find the similar? Thing? It's definitely what I noticed more actually um, in this one is the, and when you're doing a few of them and sitting through a few of them and listening to a few of them and, and earlier in the week we did an ACCA one and there's a number of different ones that we've been looking into and, and you kind of go, oh yeah, well it's like SBR has to be different than financial reporting or has to be different than taxation. Um, but when you when you kind of combine all of the things that the examiner reports are saying, and you kind of combine all the ACCA um, result, like their commentary as well, what it really comes down to is like the only thing you can really say about the content, no matter what subject it is, is that you have to know it. Yeah. And like, if you don't know the content or a good portion of it, you're going to fail. And then there's a group of students who know the content, um, but have poor time management. But it's it's a lot of people kind of seem to be underestimating, going back to keep on underestimating that exam technique and that time management and the importance of it. And yet again, I got questions saying, yeah, like one student said he got, during the chat, one of the chats on, on the webinars and said, oh, um, I got 39% in my December mark in SBL. I was really disappointed, but I only did 70% of the paper. And you're like, wow. Like if he had just got like, he could have got 11 out of 30 yeah. and passed SBL. And it's ama- that just seems to be, and um, what it really indicated to me um, from the comments students were making and what I was talking about was that students are not practicing questions properly. Mm. I think that, that everybody's, Everybody's saying to themselves, I practiced 73 questions today, yeah. <laughs> which could mean I flicked through a book of solutions and the 73 questions in it. But it's definitely it's definitely that people like the key thing. They're not they're doing it, but not doing it properly. Or effectively. Yeah, that, that's something I, I found across the number that I did. It's. It, there is still a bit of an unwillingness of students to get out of their comfort zone. Yes. Um, and there is also what I would class a bit of this fear of the unknown. And people think, well, you know, I I'm, I will get to questions, but I just want to go a bit over the content. And I will do a mock exam, but I want to wait till the, the last minute. And it's it's that thinking and that, that plan and that avoiding actually, you know, from now getting deep into question practice, um, doing it under exam conditions, using the CBE, doing mock exams early, that whole learning experience early is what makes the difference. And I entirely agree with your point um, saying that, 
you know, the, the base level you need for each subject, you will have to understand the content. But the people who find themselves consistently in ACCA exams, struggling through a subject in the 40s, 50, uh, 40%, then they might get over it, then they start the next one, they might fail once or twice and get over it. They are still getting the content, but they just can't get that exam technique right. And that's strategy for approaching exams and what you need to do these last few weeks. And if you can just get over that hurdle and bring that into each exam you prepare for, you'll suddenly find you just start knocking down the, the different exams. But if you, I, I said the other day, if you sort out one exam in this way, and I, I can't remember which one I, I gave, which one it was that I was particularly talking about it. But I, I gave um, at the end of my webinars, I've been given kind of at the end of it all, I've gone through technique and stuff. At the end of the day, I say like common pitfalls. Mm. And pitfall number one is always, always that there's not enough knowledge in general. They don't have enough knowledge about the topic. And then there might be ranges from anywhere from three to five points, depending on the subject. And I say if you just mastered these three to five points that are on this sheet, mm. took account of nothing else. I think you could pass the exam. If every time you practiced a question, you said, I can't fall foul of any of those things. Yeah. Any of them. And then I like if you just kept that in your head, um, it's kind of funnily enough to give a really weird example. I was reading a book to my six year old last night <laughs> and he has this book about all these famous people. And there's a couple of pages and there's this group. Uh, they're talking about um, explorers and there's two female explorers who I think they hold a record for climbing, I think is their top seven mountains in the world or top eight or something like that. And it was remarkable because they didn't start at the biggest mountain. <laughs> they fully enough started at the smallest one and then went to the next biggest and next biggest. And kind of they learned continuously. And students just aren't doing that. They're kind of going, oh, I failed an exam. Let's just climb the biggest mountain. It's like, yeah. I failed financial. Somebody asked me the other day, I failed financial management. I'm thinking of doing SBL next. And you kind of go, like, there's such a huge, whatever about within applied skills or strategic professional, there's such a huge jump from one to the other. There just isn't an appreciation of, there's an understanding that the exam time, whether it be three hours or 15 minutes or four hours, is a really tough time. Mm. But it's like, that's the only tough time. And the rest shouldn't be too hard. And it's really kind of what you want is you want that three to four hours to be really easy and comfortable because you've been through the pain earlier yeah, on. Yeah, that, that kind of ties into one of the points I wanted to talk about, um, which, again, is something I don't I don't get the feeling from a lot of students. But, you know, your actual exam day, and I've always thought this, and it took me a while learning this um, through doing exams myself, but the actual exam day shouldn't be a surprise. No. There should be nothing in that that is a new experience or surprise. And the only time I was, you know, disappointed with exams um, when I was doing this and happy with how I prepared was that, you know, it hadn't maybe gone as as well as I'd hoped in certain questions, but I'd never came out and you were wow, I didn't know how that spreadsheet worked or I got a bit thrown that, you know, the questions were in that order yeah. or how long it was I lost my time management. I haven't practiced. None of that should be a surprise. They're complete controllables. And that's really what we were trying to, you know, um, hit home with students was that you can, you know, I had students who said, I just can't get time management right. Well, then you have to practice twice as much. Yeah, you have to not. do it every time. Or I don't like using the spreadsheet tool. I'm not used to how can I, what are tips for that? to use it as much as possible. <laughs> yeah. um, so all of these all of these things and all these 
you know, eliminating all those controllable surprises, if you do that, then it, it just comes down to the the content on the day. Because if you've built in that exam technique and you're you're keeping that in mind as you work through the paper, okay, some of the questions mightn't go as you'd hoped, but what you'll find is you might still be disappointed with how the exams went and then you get 65%. Yeah. Um, because it, it's about getting over, you know, with all these exams, you suddenly when it clicks and starts to make sense and your own study and um, doing questions and doing boot camp and doing mock exams, when all that becomes second nature to your preparations, the exams just take care of themselves. And it will become second nature, but you have to do it properly. And nobody can do it for you. Nobody can give you hints and tips or or like you just have to sit down and, and, and do it. Yeah. And it's like... Again, I go back to the book and there's like quotes from um, these women. I think one was Chinese and one was English, if I can't quite remember. But there's quotes from them about how they really enjoyed climbing the mountain, but they hated the three months before yeah, climbing yeah. the mountain. But they climbed it and yeah. they enjoyed it. And I'm not saying exam, but exams in their own weird way can be enjoyable if you're prepared for them. You can come out feeling better than you did when you went in. Yeah. And and that's the thing. Like, but yeah. they went through three months of hell. I'm sure they went through cold weather training or altitude training or whatever it was they did. But that was the horrible part that prepared them to enjoy mm. the experience. And, yeah. and there just seems to be a real lack of... Um, I don't know, the word maturity comes to my head a little <laughs> bit. Uh, I hate to say it, guys, but it does. It's like that, that, like, it's a very simple formula. Hard work equals good result. And that doesn't matter whether we're sitting in a studio, in a music studio recording this. And like, you can't just pick up a guitar and play it. You have to work really hard to be able to play it really well. And, and, and that's what, then the opportunities for being successful at that come from the fact that you've put all these years of work in. And this is no different. Yeah. And I think like you were um, getting at there, you know, you shouldn't be dreading the exam approaching. If you're preparing in the right way, you should be counting down nearly to that day because you're putting the work in before. And the day the exam comes, that should be a relief nearly. OK, finally, today I get to display all that I've put in. But it shouldn't be this this thing you're dreading and you're hoping it doesn't come and you're in denial about what you have to do and you're not happy with that preparation. You have to enjoy climbing the mountain and what was the point? Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for extra content, important news, live streams, study tips, and much more. So on to news stories. My story comes out of Germany, where their government has proposed a clampdown on anti-competitive behavior by digital platforms. Um, so this is a story we constantly see, the, these powerhouse tech companies like Facebook, Amazon, Google, and how they, they take advantage of different markets. Um, so this digital law that they're thinking to bring in will strengthen the power of Germany's competitive watchdog. Um, and it's in a bid to kind of curb this power that these tech companies have to engage in abusive procedures. Um, and the idea is that it would make it easier to kind of assess the, when these companies have too much market power and try and make the markets fair. Um, so this is a new trend where we're kind of seeing it's referred to as a tech lash, okay. <laughs> which is a tech backlash, I presume. Um, but it's this idea that um, these companies are getting kind of too much economic and social power. And naturally, countries and the public are a bit worried about the, the threats this causes to privacy and competition. Um, so Germany are kind of 
coming out at the forefront of this as mm-hmm. they do with a lot of these things. Um, but it, it, they're kind of, this is being called the most far-reaching tool that any jurisdiction is bringing in, this digital law and, and what they're proposing within it um, to kind of prevent these things like what they call self-preferencing where the likes of Google, you know, push up their own search their own things or um, and pr- kind of preventing these companies dominating any one, I suppose, market area. Um, and then other things like stopping them impeding people accessing data or or people even moving their own data from, let's say, a Google company to to another one. Mm. Um, so when you hear it like that, it, it is all, you know, things that make sense and things that you'd hope come in. But I think, you know, certainly with a lot of these companies, they got to a, a scale and level of power that, you know, a lot of laws and regulations weren't able to deal with even kind of get a leash on this. Well, they have a lot more money to come with getting ways around them than the people do to actually make them. So they're always so far behind. I think the tech thing is really interesting because we've talked in the past about how um, France is trying to keep people and build itself up as a little bit of a tech thing. And if you go back 10 years, all these countries are tripping over themselves to try and get Google and Amazon yeah, and Facebook to set up in their countries it's come full circle. and giving them grants. And they don't want them to leave and they don't want them to take the jobs no, away. And they want them to pay their tax in that country. <laughs> yeah, and, the- <laughs> but they have a, and I'm not saying they're not right, but it, it's like this. It's, it, it is a little bit, be careful what you wish for. Uh, and you've kind of, they've designed the system that's ended up giving them yeah. what they've got because like by giving them access to the country by giving them access to their best people by giving them access to the resources um, they've also given them access of ways to grow exponentially because yeah. they've had they can go around the world and nearly look for the brightest minds yeah and I think the the other side of that is you know it, it takes a few big players to come out and push this and I, I know that Germany are hoping, and there's talk that the, the the UK might follow suit, and France, and that, um, well, not including the UK in this group, but the EU yeah. might <laughs> look to impose um, some some kind of broader, similar regulations. But it does take big players; otherwise, they just work around those countries. Boris um, might let them just do whatever they like. Just yeah, yeah, I think they might be all going to the UK. <laughs> I think they might be going there. Uh, well, my story is about um, Cathay Pacific, and I guess it's there their reaction to the coronavirus. Um, and I think the uh, I mentioned this to you before we start recording. Um, is like in a statement, before we go into any details, they said that preserving cash is the key to protecting our business. Yeah. And you kind of go, well, that's, yes, that's pretty much every business. But it's kind of at the expense of what? So they are a an airline that have had issues and they've had big issues from the the riots and the disturbances in Hong Kong, yeah. for, which have been going on. Sometimes they don't, to, always, yeah. they don't always appear in the media, but they've been going on for a very long time. And now they're being, um, this, to be honest, it sounds like they're a little bit feeling sorry for themselves that they're being hit by the, as if they're being hit by the coronavirus. And it's not the thousands of people who have been personally hit and those who, who have unfortunately died. Yeah. Um, but what they are doing is they are asking staff to take three weeks of unpaid leave as it helps them cope with the impact of the coronavirus. It's profits before people. It, it, but you kind of go, well, it really is, isn't it? And it's kind of, well, if you don't take it, we run out of money and you don't have a job. Mm. And like as a staff member, what, what do you actually do? And um, it, it's kind of, and what they're saying is that they would have offered this anyway. And maybe it's the timing of it all, but like to me as a, 
maybe as a sensible accountant, that's what companies have reserves for is to prepare for yeah. for these unfortunate times. And it, it's kind of, is at, at all else, protect the investor. So you can't do anything about um, the coronavirus and you can't do anything about the protests as an airline. But they're not the only... Um, like they're not the only one who have been affected and, and people make their own mind up about what they think of Cathay Pacific. Um, but you look at Airbus, for example, and so Chinese government have asked as many people to work from home as physically possible. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so Airbus have closed one of their assembly lines. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce the city that it is in. And they're trying to observe as much as possible um, people working from home. Um, but then there's talk that there's a, a cruise ship that's now in the Japanese port of Yokohama that they have tested positive. Um, Adidas have saying they're experienced negative impacts. Carlsberg, the beer yeah, producer, no, it's, it's going to slowly trickle everywhere. Yeah. Where just the nature of, of what and, it is. And then you look at oil is um, the price is falling because China nearly not quite stopped working, but it certainly slowed down an awful lot. And they're one of the, obviously population wise and the nature of their economy is they're one of the biggest users of oil. So the mm. demand is going down. So it is kind of having a a huge impact. And and it is a fact for companies that they do have look after business, but I'm not too sure I would have chosen the press release to explain it in such yeah, a... Yeah, yeah. In such a, a academic... <laughs> yeah. Academic way is probably the best way of putting it. Try us for free by registering for a basic plan on LearnSignal.com to get everything you need to pass your exams. So, Connor, um, uh, I guess one of the questions that came up um, regularly on the webinar was about students accessing bootcamp. Um, and some students still don't know about bootcamp. I thought we taught the whole world at this stage, <laughs> but they clearly, a lot of people still haven't received emails from us yet. Um, but one of the things that they're asking for is um, they've never been a member and they've never, I guess, joined up as a basic member with Learn Signal. So, and even those basic members, how would they upgrade or how did they, how did people get access to bootcamp? Yes, as you said, bootcamp was certainly a, a kind of key topic of all the webinars because it's something, you know, when we give students advice, what should I do with a month ago? We really direct them to all those resources of our bootcamp. Um, and firstly, to say th those webinars, um, we didn't mention earlier, but they are available on the course page if anyone wants to go back and watch them. But in terms of bootcamp, bootcamp is available to all LearnSignal members. So if you currently have a LearnSignal membership, you'll find all information on every course page. There's a revision bootcamp tab. Um, you'll find a welcome video there, but each day we'll release uh, a new video with a different bootcamp task, explaining exactly what you need to do and any relevant attachments. For anyone who is not a LearnSignal member, you do need to upgrade your subscription to access that bootcamp material. But given the the timing within the sitting, if you were to upgrade to a monthly plan, that would give you full access to everything we do within Bootcamp, which includes a free mock day and um, direction to all the key resources and this huge bank of, of question practice and solution. Um, so really, if you're keen to get involved in Bootcamp um, and you want to do it for this exam sitting, consider just upgrading to a one month subscription and that will give you everything you need. So we're going to finish up there for today. As I said before, if you do want to access those webinars that we talked about during our webinar week, you'll find them in the Revision Bootcamp tab of your course page. Remember to get involved at Revision Bootcamp. It'll be starting this week and we'll give you the best preparation we think possible for your upcoming exam. So that's all from us. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye bye. <laughs>